0: Over the course of the past two years, you might have heard several convincing predictions, theories, or conspiracies about upcoming or ongoing world events. If you're a person of faith, you may have even heard these things spoken to you in the form of a prophecy, or someone received a direct revelation from God foretelling the future. You might have gotten an email declaring to you that a friend of a friend who works for the Pentagon has insider information that because of COVID-19, martial law would be declared in the U.S., and food, guns, and ammo would be suddenly confiscated from American citizens. You might have heard that China would invade mainland U.S. on Inauguration Day, that there would be shipping containers and ports full of nuclear warheads, there would be civil war in the U.S. before or on Inauguration Day, or that U.N. troops would patrol our streets in order to keep the peace. But none of these things, these so-called prophets saw, ever happened. Not only that, none of these prophets predicted COVID-19 before March of 2020. None of them saw the protests and riots of the summer of 2020. None of them predicted the fall of Afghanistan, and certainly not one of them saw Donald Trump losing the presidential election. So why do we keep getting duped? What motivates a person to falsely speak and spread misinformation? What motivates them to do this in the name of God? What motivates someone to buy into misinformation and buy into false prophecies, and how do we know what we're hearing, reading, or seeing may actually be false? How can we practice discernment? Welcome to the Beards and Bible podcast. My name Josh, I am joined by my friend Gabe on this lovely morning, or whenever you're listening to this. Could be late at night. Could be middle of the afternoon. Could be your lunch break. I don't care.
1: Hmm. It could yeah. be from your Fallout bunker in the year 2052. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, this could be the archives of what the world used to be like before. Dude, I went on this deep dive a couple nights ago and started uh, looking at all the nuclear fallout and nuclear holocaust scenarios. Mm. Have you ever done that?
1: Yeah. In fact, it's funny you say that. I was just listening to um, a new podcast I found called Short History, and I've been listening through the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm. And I learned yesterday that in the heat of the Cold War, the Soviets detonated a— a nuclear warhead, the largest ever detonated in the history of mankind. It was, they said it was 50 times 50 the power of the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Yeah. So, and what is that, 2,500 times? The, they thought it was going to set the atmosphere on fire.
0: Was that in the Arctic Circle they detonated? Yeah, in? yeah. Yeah, I've read about that. I'm trying to remember the name of that. Like, yeah. appa-
1: apparently we were within, like, a minute or two of... I guess there was a submarine in the Caribbean Ocean that was being he's surrounded by US warships and they were dropping like depth charges on it and the Soviet commander of the submarine was like he was going crazy from all like the concussion of these depth charges and the heat of the submarine and he was like pull the trigger on this on this nuclear uh, torpedo let's take down their their largest which happened to be like a uh, aircraft carrier and wow. his second in command actually kind of committed mutiny and disobeyed the order, did not fire the wow. nuclear torpedo, and saved the world from, like, nuclear holocaust, that definitely would have oh my happened. Oh, gosh. It's really That's interesting. It's
0: crazy to think about. Yeah, it's crazy to think about how close we've gotten in several times. And if you're ever just, like, feeling curious and morbid and want to <laughs> <laughs> just go down the doomsday clock, uh, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time reading about nuclear warheads actually i was in korea i was uh, planning a trip to hiroshima in japan that was going to be one of my weekend trips to go to hiroshima and see the hmm. the museum there and all that stuff i don't know why that's always been really interesting to me just hmm. yeah you can go on youtube and look up all the nuclear tests from like bikini atoll and i don't know if you're I, just ever just in a mood for that you're like hey why don't we watch nuclear bombs being detonated yeah and and
1: I would not be surprised the least bit if the next podcast episode I look at the camera and you are decked out full God, just <laughs> <laughs> black eyeshadow and black fingernail why polish.
0: Even, why even worry about a nuclear nuclear world is what we're living in?
1: Yeah, just yeah. a full nihilist.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Well, Gabe, how, how are you doing, man? Besides all the, the nuclear uh, good. wormholes we go down.
1: I'm good, I'm good. Good, man. Yeah, and no no deep dives for me. Um, Just, yeah, deep diving and mundane dad life, you know.
0: Mm, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I do have, you can see, I know the listeners cannot see, I do have my studio backdrop ready to go. So The ball's in your court whenever you're ready to get this this video thing fired up, you know. Yes. You just say the word.
0: We are looking at doing video podcasts sometime this year, so stay tuned for that. Mm. Anybody that would want to see gabe's giant david hasselhoff uh poster behind him (laughs) uh, ladies and gentlemen i'm describing his podcast he's got david hasselhoff and a speedo behind him yeah and uh, And avril uh, levine an avril levine poster skater boy b-o-i graffitied uh through spray paint and also a bobblehead of tony danza oh gosh (laughs) I should from, get, from the taxi years. I should get all or, of the early above. Early yeah. <clears throat> all, I mean, inexplicably, I don't know what all three of those things have to do with one another. David Hasselhoff, Avril Lavigne, and Tony Danza. But nonetheless, this is what Gabe has behind him. Who, who's no, the,
1: who was the guy we had in college? We had a he's still alive timer countdown thing.
0: Abe Vagoda.
1: Oh yeah, is that yeah. still going?
0: No, he passed away sadly.
1: I remember, you guys had like some kind of extension thing on your.
0: We did. We had a browser. <laughs> this is so stupid. We had a browser extension, and of course, if you're listening to this, you're like, "Who is Abe Vigoda?" I, th- I think he had a minor. He was a bit player in The Godfather. He was like one of the henchmen of the Corleone Corleone family, or whatever. Uh, but he just was kind of a goofy-looking old guy, and uh, he looked old when he was like 30, but he was actually 30. So everyone's like, "Man, is he still alive?" And he lived to a ripe old age of like in his nineties, I think. So in the early two thousands, they had a browser extension that you could put on, and it was the Abe Abe Vigoda watch, basically to make sure he was still alive. Yeah,
1: when you go to when you go to it's just like a picture of Abe Vigoda with X's, black X's over his eyes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and it just it just says it just says Abe Vigoda is dead.
0: Oh, rest in peace, Abe Vigoda man. What, do you feel like you have closure on that at least? Like I think so. Yeah, okay. uh, all through college I was thinking today's going to be the day. And then, uh, yeah, rest in peace. Rest mm. in peace, Abe Vigoda. It's crazy. Wow. So speaking of predicting the future and when Abe Vigoda was going to, to pass and finally kick the bucket, our episode today is a bit like that. And it is about false prophecies, misinformation, and discernment and one of the things that you know i'm sure you've probably experienced like a lot of us over the past two years the world has changed dramatically in two years time um is a lot of people trying to predict what's going to happen next um a lot of people trying to understand why certain things are happening, and so there have been a lot of predictions and conspiracy theories, and unfortunately within the church there's been a lot of words of prophecy that have turned out to be untrue. Which is uh, really disturbing that we have, I think, as the people of God, the body of Christ, been so uh, quick to speak so casually in the name of the Lord. I mean, I think of a lot of people in the word of faith movement and it's so funny all of them prophesied that donald trump would win the presidential election <laughs> and um and he didn't so then they moved the goalposts and said he's going to be sworn in in june and then he wasn't and then he's going to be sworn in august and he wasn't in october and he wasn't and then now the latest uh conspiracy theory is he's actually still in charge even though joe biden's in the old office um
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, so interesting that a lot of these word of faith teachers, they had this catchphrase, 2020 vision, right? And it was like, we're going to, we see 2020 vision. God's (laughs) going to do amazing things for your life and and in politics and in the United States. And revival is going to sweep this land. 2020, we have 2020 vision. You know, it's like that was so marketable. Yeah. And it's like, come March of 2020, it was like, okay, yeah, those guys were absolutely full of it.
0: Well, how did they not see, if they these prophets, apparently, God shows them visions of the future, how did they never see COVID-19? Like a a once-in-a-generation, cataclysmic, world-changing event. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's our generation, it's my kids' generation's 9-11, it's my kids' generation's, I mean, probably more than that. I mean, it it has changed the face of the entire earth, and none Mm -hmm. of them saw that. Yeah, None of them saw the you know, George Floyd riots. None of them predicted the fall of Afghanistan. None of them saw Donald Trump losing. So <laughs> it's just interesting. <laughs> There's so many people that are saying, I'm a prophet of God, God shows me the future, and yet all these massive things they never saw and the things they did see, none of them came true, and yet people are still listening.
1: It's because, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into this, but it just speaks to our fallenness and desperation uh, for for a word from our heavenly father yeah that reassurance hey i i'm still involved in your life i'm still involved in politics i'm still involved in the e- economy um we want that assurance from God you know and and sometimes um, mal intentioned men and women come up and say hey i 'm speaking on god 's behalf, and he is still involved and this is what he says, and many of those people uh fool us. And that's kind of the the crux of this, this week's podcast.
0: Yeah. So Gabe, you recorded a podcast, I guess it was in the first part of 2021 for your mm-hmm. congregation, mm-hmm. and it was about false prophecies. <clears throat> um, and so we're, we're going to try to put a link up, that, uh, up to that on the Facebook page, so if anybody's interested in listening to that, and it was really well done, so go listen to it, because Gabe did a fantastic job with it. But um, what was your motivation behind recording that? Like, why did you feel the need to to do a whole teaching on false prophecies and discerning what is a false prophecy and, and what makes a false prophet.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, I actually recorded that in my home office, and um, I didn't record it live like I typically do with when I teach on, on our different you know topics at our congregation. Um, I wanted to record it in a more intimate setting because uh, people could hear it better. It was better quality. But also, um, I was angry and I needed to do it in kind of this like calm state early in the morning. And I was I was righteously mad um, at what was going on. Never before uh, had I seen so many texts, messages, uh, emails, people telling me in person these things that were predicting events that were to happen in the future. And and I just kept sitting on them and kept sitting on them and thinking, you know, that's highly unlikely. It's probably not going to happen that way. But what, what
0: were some examples of that?
1: Oh, man! Examples include, uh, yeah, obviously that Trump was going to win the twenty twenty election. That um, or that maybe he would lose, but it would just look like he lost, and he would actually clean a house and come back and be, you know, the, the victor. Um, that uh, you know, one one preacher. Um, was putting out these videos, a video series that there was going to be cities burning down in America, that there was going to be U.N. troops marching through American streets, that there was going to be mass um, shortages of of uh, currency and money and coins. And
0: and, um, and all these people are saying, God showed me this. This is the mm-hmm, Word of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and they were yeah. giving a timeline for when it was going to happen.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, this, this, one of, this pastor in particular said, I know when I have heard from the Lord. And mm. many of you probably know this video. He, he he points at his watch and he pounds on his watch, and he's like, "In the dream, the, uh, the I was shown the clock, and it was there was a hand that was hitting the clock three times, and just stuff like that, and just weird stuff." And you're like, "Okay, this isn't this just doesn't rub me the right way." But people are are confused, and people are wondering like, "What's in store for the future?" Um, you know, I heard that you know there was going to be like. Uh, Trump's inauguration, which didn't happen, obviously that there was going to be a mass scale Chinese invasion of mainland USA, that there was shipping containers sitting in ports around America's major cities with nuclear warheads in them from China, mm. um, just stuff like that, you know. And a lot of it was like fed indirectly by this whole QAnon Anon cult that started, um, which I, I really believe was a counter conspiracy movement to discredit. Um, the truth. Um, hmm. It actually, I think, it, I think it was fabricated um, by the powers that be, and so many people, uh, conservative evangelical Christians, bought into this nonsense. And yeah. uh, I was so I was mad about that because none of that stuff came true, and so many people were left confused. So those same people came back to me and were like, some of them, anyways, expressed discouragement. Um, they were fooled and so as a pastor as a shepherd of a of of a local flock you're the one that wakes up every morning and go goes and does his job and has to answer for the nonsense and the heresy and the false predictions that these people make on the internet you're the one whose cell phone is going to ring and you answer, and there's someone who is discouraged on the other line. These people who make these predictions, they just delete the video. They just delete their right. YouTube channel or whatever, and they don't have to answer for that. And you got to remember, and I tell people this, take this pastor, for instance, who made these false predictions. By him saying, I know when I have heard from the Lord, and in this dream I heard from the Lord— And then by him giving a prediction and then by him giving a timeline of that prediction and that not coming to pass, if he lived in biblical times, we would have to kill him.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we we were following him, (laughs) yeah, if
1: we were following biblical law and there was a Sanhedrin, he would need to die. We would be be obeying God's word to kill him. (laughs) You know, that would be, and, and we, that the weight of that is lost, that that is a capital sin. Uh, That is a huge sin to do that because you're acting as an ambassador for the creative universe, and then you're lying. You're lying lying in his name.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's the part of it that it's so frustrating. I mean, when you study the Old Testament and you see the seriousness behind which God says, if you are a prophet and you've heard my word, you better make sure you've heard my word before you speak it, right? Mm-hmm. And you see these prophecy watch magazines come out, and specifically in like the Word of Faith Pentecostal Charismatic world, um, because many of them still believe in the office of the Old Testament prophet. Even though I would say that office is closed, but some mm-hmm. of them still hold to that thought that the office of the prophet is still established. And man, every year they'll pull out, put out these magazines, and it's prophecy watch. And if you go through that, man, like eighty percent of that never comes true year after year. And yet, it's almost just like, let's just scrub the past and do it again next year. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like the the biblical test for if someone's really a prophet never seems to apply to some of these folks. And you're right. I mean, it is angering to look and say, "Man, you're you're actually making money off of this." Like this is sickening in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I th- think the, the, the saddest part is that there are still some Christians that are still. It's like the 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 meat of the gospel and the call of making disciples is not exciting or interesting to them. Mm-hmm. Like that just and eh, that's kind of bland. But what's really interesting is. This little fringe theory over here about maybe what's happening with this, you know, one particular. Do you know what I mean? Like their father, mm-hmm. they have their newspaper open and they have their oh maybe carry the one and, and read into this in Hebrew and then flip the letters around and that's interesting. That's fascinating. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. But me going out and telling my neighbor about Jesus and serving in my church, that's really not that exciting.
1: Yeah, well, I want to think is another component of it why I was so irritated and I would say angry was that there had been. There were people who I had been pouring into for years, uh, teaching them the Bible, teaching them discernment, teaching them the gifts of the Spirit, and they bought it. They bought mm-hmm. these false predictions and these false teachers' claims, and that angered me um, because y- you you can't—and ha- I'm just being completely candid—you're just like, man, have you been listening to anything I've been telling you the past few years? Yeah. Has all this gone in one ear and out the other? The, the, all, the, all the verses that we've been reading and studying together about beware of false prophets. They will come in dressed like sheep and they will ravage the flock. I, I, did you forget about any of that? And, and here I am standing here week after week. I'm going to keep doing what I'm, what I'm called to do. And the meanwhile, these guys just slip away into the shadows and like, Mm. Hey, don't take your eyes off the good shepherd that is our Messiah. Like, don't mm. do not do that for a second. That's what happens.
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, so on your, uh, the, the teaching that you, you shared with me is really good. You, you shared a story about September 23rd, 2015. Yeah. What, what was significant about that date for you? And, and kind of talk me through, like, what, what happened on that date or what didn't happen on that date that you thought was going to happen on that date? Yeah,
1: yeah. So there was this, uh, there's this movement called the Hebrew Roots Movement, which I'm not a part of, nor do I really support or agree with many of the things in it. But the Hebrew Roots Movement um, has a degree of overlap with the Messianic movement, Messianic world. And anyways, there's this nationally known, maybe internationally known teacher within the Hebrew Roots Movement that um, had a team of people that were sending them different things that were interesting events that were going to transpire on or around September 23rd, 2015. So he compiled all these things, and he put out a teaching called the Convergence, like everything was converging on this date. And he put it out on YouTube. He taught it at his his church and then put it out on YouTube, and I came across it and watched it. And Stacey and I watched it, and we were really compelled by it. It was really moving. It was like there was you know, a dozen or more significant things that were supposed to happen on the 23rd of 2015 23rd september 2015 and his theory uh if i remember correctly was that it was going to kick off the tribulation at Mm. some some you know juncture of the tribulation i don't know what stage of it um but then that would then usher in obviously the second return of christ and um yeah so so very compelling things that he was he was providing in there um so, you know, we shared it, we helped it go viral as well. Of course, the video was monetized um, and there was DVDs that you could buy of the video. And the video mm-hmm. is still, I believe, on YouTube. I don't know that. I think I think a third party has downloaded it and re-uploaded it. Otherwise, he would have, he deleted it off of his channel. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was so compelling, Josh, that like I went back and watched it a couple years ago, right before I did this sermon on when false prophets fool us in the year 2020 um i went back and watched this 5 year old teaching called the convergence as i'm sitting on my couch in the year 2020 5 years later i'm watching this and i'm thinking i'm it's giving me the heebie-jeebies how compelling this thing is 5 years mm-hmm. later i'm thinking if this wasn't 5 years later i would buy into this all over again
0: yeah what, what let me stop you there for a second what was it specifically that attracted you to it i mean it was just was it just mm-hmm. persuasive? Was it just, like, making sense and adding up? And you were kind of like, yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, what was it that really made you start following it and attracting you to it?
1: Yeah, it was just really convincing. Um, yeah. You know, it, it just involved a lot of politics and world events, you know, the Pope visiting Jerusalem, uh, just uh, what's the the, uh, the thing where they're colliding the— uh, the atoms together. Um,
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they they yeah. were gonna the god do, particle stuff. Yeah, all they atoms. were gonna do yeah.
1: this big experiment on that day. There just all these different things were coming together on the twenty third of September two thousand fifteen, and then it coincided with like one of the blood moons or something, you know, and mm-hmm. that coincided with like Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets 2015. It was just like all these things like eclipsing each other, and you were like, wow, that's that's really significant, and so we bought it like hook, line, and sinker. And I remember being in my classroom teaching school on September 23rd, 2015, and I remember calling Stacy on my lunch break and saying, hey, have you been watching the news? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, have you seen anything? And she's like, no, I haven't seen a single thing. Like, it's like it was completely dead that day in terms of, like, news. I mean, it was like they were, like, playing, like, clips of squirrels water skiing on the swimming pool you know what I'm saying? <laughs> from the Ocho yeah <laughs> so the day the day came and went and then the next day came and went and the next day came and went and we were and then we, it starts to set in wait a second we just got duped mm-hmm. none of that stuff meant anything in the grand scheme of things and then people you go online you start looking at the comments and people saying different things And oh well maybe you know maybe it's happening in the spiritual realm maybe it's happening but you know we just can't see it maybe it's you know going on in these secret societies and whatnot so but no it was just it was and that's the thing is it 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 planted a seed of doubt in me yeah um and and fortunately that that doubt didn't grow very much but i could see how it would in other people
0: sure so how did that change like i mean i'm sure that had an impact on when in 2020 you started seeing the same kinds of predictions come out you were probably Mm -hmm. like i've seen this like this is nothing new right yeah yeah um yeah it it kind
1: of inoculated me to the stupidity that i saw in 2022 or i'm sorry in 2020 um because it was the same, many of it is kind of the same, but it was interesting. It was from a lot of different angles and a lot of different platforms. It was coming from a more scattered, um, more scattered variety of, of, of mediums, I guess you could say, to right. us. And it was like, wow, it was all kind of the same vibe, but coming from many different voices and many different angles. And it was like even more potent, even more powerful and even more distracting and noisy, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So when you think about the person that came up with this, do you think that they truly were sincere and they thought they heard from God, or do you think they just made the whole thing up? I mean, I know that's hard to try to you know, -hmm. guess somebody's intentions, but I mean, I I sometimes seriously wonder, like some of these guys and gals that are getting up there and saying, God showed me this, I mean, do they really think that they heard from the Lord, or they just kind of making know. it up on the spot. You know, I mean, I've always wondered that.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I think it's very possible. They're just completely making it up on the spot. Yeah. Um, and I think they may have a legitimate dream or some kind of vision. Um, but I, so there's, I guess there's two main options. They're completely making it up and they're They're lying through their teeth. Option B Mm -hmm. is they're given a false prophecy. They're given a false vision, um, and they don't know that. And so they're unintentionally um, leading people astray.
0: So what's their motivation for doing so? Why do you think people are using the name of God and saying, hey, God told me this? Like what what Mm -hmm. motivates them to do that?
1: I could identify a couple main motivating factors, and it's glory. it's money. Um, Very, very few of them are sincere and are being fooled themselves and given—they have been given a false prophecy or false vision, and they're passing that along, and they mean they're really well-intentioned. I think that that's probably less than 5% of these people who do these things. The rest are looking for notoriety, fame, and money.
2: Hmm.
0: What about the person that would buy into it and— say, hey, I believe that. Absolutely, that's going to happen. I mean, you shared your experience. It just You mm-hmm. saw it very compelling and persuasive, and it made sense to you. But yeah, are there any other reasons why somebody would say, yeah, I, I, I believe that?
1: Uh, I think we want hope. And mm-hmm. like I said, we want to know that God is still intervening in the course of history. Um, and also we have our own bias. So if we really liked Donald Trump, Uh, we want to see him reelected. So we're going to watch a video that has a title of, um, you know, a vision of Trump winning the election in 2020. Um, And then it has some profit guy there. You're going to click on that. You're going to watch that in its entirety. And then the YouTube algorithm is then going to think you want to watch more of those videos. So you're going to (laughs) watch more of those videos And then you're going to go over to Facebook and then you're going to like different things that share pro Trump things. And then the Facebook algorithm is going to think you want to see more of that. So, because those, those systems are just, they, they, their engines and their algorithms are, are created to keep you on their platform so that they, you see more ads. Yeah. So at the heart of it, you're, you know, you're getting them more money. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really sad cycle of deception.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is some people believe them because they want them to be true?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's bias. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what after, What about after somebody realizes they've been duped? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you shared your and Stacy's experience. It seemed like you guys kind of wised up and said, wow, not going to fall for that again. But um, – does that happen with everybody or do you think that there are some people that continually go back and basically just scrub all the times they've been lied to out of their minds and fall for it over and over and over again?
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. I think it, it splits into two, two groups of people at that point. You have people who do wise up, which those people are typically going to be less inclined to believe it in the first place, but they do eventually wise up like, like myself. And then you have people who, uh, have very short attention span, and are very desperate for a word from the Lord, and they're going to continue to buy things. I mean, listen, I, I've I've heard people stand up and prophesy things, you know, and say that they have to come to pass in this amount of time, and they didn't, and then the same people stand up and prophesy again, and people's eyes widen like, wow. Okay, all right, and, you know, get ready, and, and you're just like, guys, come on. Yeah. Cut yeah, it out. Yeah. Let's just stop this nonsense, you know. So, yeah, we're just—we're like fish in a tank sometimes with our, with our attention spans, and we don't hold these people's feet to the fire,
0: um, hmm.
1: and we don't—I think sometimes we're scared to say, you know, when someone comes to me and they're like, hey, what do you think about this pastor or this teacher or whatever— you know, I'm going through my memory bank of like, okay, you know, this, this was really good. This is maybe the bad, but then there's sometimes there's like, wait a second. Nope. They are disqualified as being a teacher or a pastor because they made these predictions in the 1990s. Um, not many people know about that because it was so long ago and they've since deleted all that material, but Hey, just so you know, they made these things. What you do with this information now is on you. So
0: yeah.
2: Um
1: Yeah. It's Hi.
0: It's, it's very interesting. I don't know if you remember Y2K. I don't know if you're uh, – mm-hmm. so for anybody listening that doesn't remember that because you were not in the circles Gabe and I was in or maybe you were too young to kind of think through that. Um, in the year 99 and 98, I guess those two years, um, there was this prediction that when the clocks turned midnight on the year 2000, all the computers in the world would completely shut down because they had been programmed using two digits. So they'd been programmed like in the 70s and 80s. And so it was like, you know, 71, 72. And so they wouldn't know what to do when the clock turned over and it became, oh, oh, I guess they would say, I'm a computer, it's 1900, we don't exist yet. And they would shut down. I guess that, I don't know if that was the, <laughs> the mindset behind it. But there were the predictions that basically stated everything is going to go off the grid. There's going to be n- mm-hmm. no electricity, Planes are going to fall out of the sky. Uh, your car is not going to work. It's going to basically turn back the clock 150 years, and it's going to be this dystopian, you know, whatever. And so a lot of people were doomsday prepping for that, and unfortunately the, the people that led the charge for that were evangelical Christians. Um, the church we were a part of uh, stockpiled wheat and water and some people even guns and ammunition and i remember people talking about how you know this was probably going to kick off the start of the great tribulation and looking and finding verses in the book of revelation and saying this is what this is this is one of the horses coming in um you know one of the four horsemen or whatever and and i remember even as a kid kind of hearing this and being terrified but then like stopping and thinking and going i i I mean, it's possible this could happen, but why are these people so certain that it will? Mm. You know, I mean, because none of (laughs) us knew anybody that worked in technology or Washington, none of us knew any computer programmers that had access to it. But everybody seemed to be so certain that because they had heard from a friend of a friend of a friend or they'd seen it somewhere in an email chain that this was definitely going to happen. And I remember in New Year's Eve 1999 sitting there like waiting, and watching the clock and nothing happened. And it was 12.01. I was like, oh, okay, there we go. Um, Yeah, that was
1: anticlimactic. No, I I, I have a friend who, uh, they have a lot of property and uh, they, they basically welcomed anyone who wanted to make their property like a retreat property uh, at, you know, at Y2K. And so that whole year leading up to Y2K, people were driving out to their property and parking their campers and, you know, RVs and all this stuff and putting supplies out there. And so now to this day, they still have like a bunch of like decrepit, like slowly decaying RVs and campers on their property that are just kind of being swallowed up by nature. It's it's a really interesting picture of when, you know, prophets get it wrong.
0: Yeah. So, how do we know if someone is a false prophet or something is a false prophecy?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I would say time is the worst enemy to the false prophet Mm. because, um, all you have to do is wait, and mm-hmm. in that waiting period, there's uncertainty, and you're thinking, "Okay, what if they're right? Oh, they're probably wrong," you know. And so you're going back and forth, but the day comes, and the hour comes, and it doesn't happen. And you're like, "Okay, they have been proven false." And so time is time is time is the true determining factor, yeah. and, and false prophets hate time. <laughs> They in the moment, in the moment, they capitalize on your fear and your hopelessness and your doubt, and that's they're just like the the snake oil guys who are passing through town. That you won't ever see them again. You don't know where they came from. You don't know their credentials, and then they leave, and they leave just quick enough to where you realize the thing that you've been sold is not effective, and what in, in the way that you've been told it's been effective.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier the biblical command to the people of Israel, if -hmm. there was a false prophet whose predictions didn't come true, they were supposed to take them out of the camp and stone them. Mm -hmm. That was like a, you know, the death penalty for, it was capital punishment for somebody who prophesied and misled people in the name of God. God took that very serious. Yeah. So for us, I mean, I think that obviously (laughs) we don't go out and kill anybody, but I do think this, the the principle remains that, man, their prophetic ministry is over. I'm sorry. Like, you just disqualified yourself. Like, I'm not going to listen to anything else you say because you said you heard from God about this and that you said with the authority, not, you know, hey, I, I may be getting this wrong. I don't know. I just kind of get this sense that something big's coming. No, you specifically said this time, this day, and God mm-hmm. told you, and it didn't happen. therefore, you did not hear from God or you misheard. So your credentials as a prophet has been therefore stripped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's how we know, according to Deuteronomy 13. Um, I think a red flag, if somebody is prophesying, or says they're a prophet, or claiming to put out Prophecy Watch, or you see a video on YouTube, it seems to me that prophecies, kind of in the prophetic movement here in the States, never seem to call out sin in the people of God, mm-hmm. but they only prophesy prosperity victory or success for their particular tribe or camp or political party is that just me or do you see that too
1: yeah oh yeah and that's the the main role the main theme of a biblical prophet and the office of a prophet in the bible Mm -hmm. is yeah they're often repeating the word repent
0: right but the prophets that that we're seeing today that are calling themselves prophets <laughs> don't really seem to get that message from God. They're, the message they get from God is your your political party is going to win, which is so interesting to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and they also will be very quick to refer you to their online store where you can buy, <laughs> yes, you know, the expanded version of this prophecy in
0: book or DVD <sighs> form. Yeah. So yeah, another way to know if this person is a false prophet is just follow the money. Like if they're instructing you to to buy or to click or subscribe, mm-hmm. then I would probably say, "Hmm, why is it the prophets in the Bible dressed in camel hair and ate locusts and lived out in the desert, but you're, you know, wearing stuff that's Gucci and <laughs> driving a Rolls Royce and living in a massive house and everything that you speak that's supposedly from God? There's a price tag that comes with it. Yeah. It's very interesting." Um. So I think follow the money, and that'll give you a indication if that person's really speaking from God or not. And also follow the affiliations. So if this quote-unquote prophet is connected with or endorsing a political party, you should probably turn and run. If they're endorsing a candidate, you should probably turn and run. Or if there's a particular movement they're a part of, then that's probably suspect. And that's what's so... Mm-hmm. That's what's so backwards and bizarre about the. I'm um, going to be careful how I say this. Many of the Christian denominations that embraced Trump were word of faith teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably more so than any president in the past. I can't. Uh, Bill Clinton had some connections with the Pentecostal world back in the 90s, but I think Trump more so than any president in the past. Uh, really got endorsed heavily by people within the prophetic movement. I mean, they were in the mm-hmm. Oval Office praying over him. And so it's kind of like, man, you're you're getting kickbacks from this one candidate. Of course it would behoove you to only speak good things about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it, there was like this weird
1: religious connection embedded in the Trump presidency that— um, I was very skeptical of I mean yeah. I remember him standing on a stage and people wrapping a tallit like prayer shawl around him and and him like being prayed for which isn't necessarily bad it's a little bit cringy but <laughs> yeah like people a lot of cringy people within the charismatic and evangelical world were putting Trump on this almost like not quite a messiah but like a lesser messiah pedestal like, yeah um that this guy I heard him being compared to like a like a King Cyrus or something like that, right, right, right. And that's you got to be really careful doing that because um, we're living in in a great nation, but there there is this is not the kingdom of God. Yes, and Donald J. Trump is not the the king and the ruler of the kingdom of God. He may do some things that are in alignment with Scripture and are good but he may also do some things that are not, and we should hold on to that very loosely. I oh. think if, as a believer and a Christian, if you don't experience a little bit of gag reflex while you're pulling the lever to vote for any political party or any political candidate at the at the, 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 the presidential election, then then you are not reading your Bible enough. <laughs> <laughs> well you not know, well said, yeah. I, I, I'm saying get out there and vote, study, research, examine different political, like, you know, um, positions and, and candidates thoroughly, but this side of the kingdom, pretty much every candidate there's go, there needs to be this moment where you're like, uh, pull the lever. Okay, fine, yeah, 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 with, you yeah, know,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and anytime throughout history, I mean, not just like for the past two years, anytime you mix politics with prophecy, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, consider the story of Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc is a teenage girl who gets a uh radical vision from the from God that, you know, France is gonna win in the Hundred Years War in England, right? Mm-hmm. God visited her, God told her this, God, you know. And so all of a sudden, uh, God is on the side of the French in the Hundred Years' War. And so she becomes hmm. basically this you know, figurehead to encourage these warriors, and she's writing as a, I think she was 17, maybe even younger than that. She's riding into battle uh, with the French army against the English, and it all is centered around this idea she heard a prophecy from God, right? And we look back on that and we just kind of shake our head and we're like, How, you know, on whose side was God, the French or the English? And it's kind of like Probably neither one, (laughs) you know, they were both messed up, you know. But at that time it's like people were weaponizing this idea of hearing from God for their own political causes. And we can see that clearly now, you know, six hundred years removed from it, but it's it's funny, it's like we can't see that clearly when we're in the midst of it. You know, it's like we get caught up in the heat of the moment and we don't have enough. It's like we're we're intoxicated. Mm-hmm. But these emotionally charged and divisive topics and, and it's like we can't see clearly in the midst of it. And yeah. that's sad to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think fear is very intoxicating and it and it clouds your judgment. Um and there was a lot of fear going around in twenty twenty for sure, in twenty twenty one. So yeah. Our, our our guard is down, our discernment guard is down more so when we're afraid.
0: Yeah. So that's like um that's something that if you're uh, you know you're in a church or you're in a Christian group, you may or may not have encountered prophecies and false prophecies. and maybe you didn't fall for any of those and you kind of thought people that did were kind of dumb and naive and misguided. But chances are throughout the past two years, you've probably encountered a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. and a lot of disinformation. And so um, that is also a form of deception. So I want to spend some time just kind of unpacking that because you Mm -hmm. may may not have encountered false prophecies and you may not have fallen for false prophecies, but you may have fallen for misinformation or disinformation and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Um, So misinformation is false information that is spread regardless of the intent to mislead. So if I tell you, like, hey, man, the game starts at 7 when the game actually starts at 6. I just didn't mean to, but I'm, I spread misinformation, right? I misinformed you. And right now that's happening all over the place thanks to social media. It's kind of like that game of telephone. Like, oh, I heard this from so-and-so. Who heard this from so-and-so? Who heard this from so-and-so? And it could be that it's actually not true, but we don't really know if it's true or not. We're just sharing and reading and clicking and saying, yeah, that's true. I heard that. So that's misinformation, but then there's disinformation, and disinformation is false information that is deliberately misleading, or deliberately biased, or maybe has a manipulated narrative or facts, or another word for that would be propaganda. And uh, right now, kind of the big story in the news is Russia and Ukraine. You know, Mm -hmm. Russia poised right now to invade Ukraine, and so... um, Government and intelligence agencies in times like that will spread false information about a country's military plans or a country's military strength. And all of that is like a political subversion that, that happens all the time. Um, and that's disinformation. It's it's trying to deliberately mislead someone else for a purpose. Is that making sense so far? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then other countries could do this in order to spread fake information to their rival nations, So, like, communist China and North Korea are both infamous for doing this, telling their citizens what America is doing or what America has done or what America is like. So if you uh, go on YouTube and take a deep dive into the North Korean propaganda machine, which sometimes I do that just for fun because it's so absurd and ridiculous, there's a whole museum in North Korea about the Korean War full of disinformation that basically has repainted history to say that the U.S. uh, started the Korean War Hmm. and the U.S. is um, basically responsible for atrocities that the U.S. has never committed. So like all of these things that aren't true at all, Mm -hmm. it behooves the North Korean government to disinform their citizens in order to control them and kind of keep them under their thumb.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he who controls the information controls the people who hear the information. Yeah. Like, um, you know, uh, Hitler and Goebbels, his propaganda minister, they actually mass produced these really cheap radios that undercut the um, the normal, you know, radios that were owned by private companies. And they actually put many of them out of business. They called them the Vol- Volksfange. They were like the people's Wilson radio. Funga. Yeah, they That's were the, pe- the, the people's. Yeah, it is. But it's, it translates to the people's the people's receiver. Hmm. And so then they just started mass producing and they were very cheap. So people started buying these instead of the more expensive versions. But there was a catch. These radios only received the, the approved radio stations the Third Reich wanted you to hear. Mm. Yeah, wow. so uh, then they just started cranking out all kinds of information. This happened right after Hitler's um, election to to becoming Chancellor of Germany, the Third Reich.
0: Wow. So yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of eerie to think about. You know, right now, um, mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of media outlets that we can turn to. You know, yeah. So that's kind of interesting, but that's disinformation, and I think that the way we encounter disinformation now is probably not straight up, like fabricated lies like the north korean government gives their citizens we're probably not to that point but we're probably encountering disinformation through manipulated narratives Mm. um, from people who have a political agenda is that fair to say they have a political bias Mm. or political agenda and so they're giving you information that's been manipulated or things have been deliberately left out or certain things have been read into or certain correlations have been made when there's not really a correlation to be made. Yeah. And all of it is done with the purpose of getting you to think in alignment with a certain group.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, yeah, it's like, it, and that happens on every side. It yes. happens in every camp. Yep. Um, that can,
0: can I just put a caveat on that for a second? Yeah, yeah. If you're conservative right now, you're probably nodding your head and you're like, oh, my gosh, get them, those liberals. (laughs) And if you're liberal right now, you're like, oh, my gosh, you get them, those crazy Mm -hmm. right wing, you know, nut job conservatives. But, Gabe, I love that you just said that because it is – it doesn't matter your political persuasion. Disinformation is happening right now Mm -hmm. irrespective of whatever political persuasion you're, you're coming from.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the disinformation is through omission. So yes. if you go to Fox News and you look at their website, they're going to have stories that they want to put on their front page, and they're going to leave stories or bury stories that they don't want that, don't, that doesn't fit the conservative agenda, mm-hmm. the conservative narrative. And then you go to CNN or you go to MSNBC, they're going to do the complete opposite, and it's going to be flipped on its head. Yep. And so both are guilty of, you know, Basically, kind of manipulating um, what you see and what you don't see, and that's just the problem with corporate media is that there's there's deep baked in intrinsic bias in, in those outlets. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and there's a not just like baked in deep intrinsic bias because all of those media moguls are probably in the pockets of political candidates, but mm-hmm. also they understand business. Mm -hmm. And business means you have a target audience.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And Mm -hmm. so in order to keep your target audience, you've got to give them content that they want to see. Mm -hmm. So they're going to continue to feed their target audience what their target audience wants to be true.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, as a school teacher, you know, if you want to get interaction from your students and you want to get a lively discussion going from your students about some topic— One of the best ways to do it is to divide them and say, you're going to argue for, you're going to argue against. Now, let's go. Let's answer this question. That's going to spark a very lively debate and it's going to keep them all engaged. It's going to keep them all conversing. Um, And corporate media knows that as well. If we can divide people, we keep them engaged better. That spits out, you know, the output of that is we get more money. So I think in this sea of information and knowledge and opinions and commentary, which, I mean, we're adding a drop here to this sea as well. But, like, you have to ask yourself the question, who has the least to gain from mm-hmm. from this? Yep. And they might, be, um, they might be the closest thing to the truth that I can get to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So a big, I think the big question is if you're reading this and you're going, oh, my gosh, I think I might have— fallen into disinformation or misinformation. How do I know? Right? Because I've had so many people ask me this, and genuinely like, ask me this like, from a level of concern, like, Pastor, how do I know when I want to know what's happening in the world and I turn on the news, how do I know that what I'm hearing is true or untrue? Because like, if the Bible says, whatever is true, think about these things, and mm-hmm. I don't know what's true right now, how can we find... Truth? How do we know if what we're hearing or reading or sharing is is true or untrue in this landscape of just disinformation, misinformation, deliberately misleading, biased, manipulated narratives, propaganda? Like, how do we know the truth?
2: Hmm.
1: Well, I think one of the most compelling things when you look at the life of the disciples and the early followers of the way, the early Christians one of the things you can ask yourself, and this isn't, this isn't 100%, but one of the things you can ask yourself is like, the person who is, who is bringing and proclaiming a message, the message that they are proclaiming, if it is hurting them in some way, there's a high likelihood that that message is true,
2: hmm.
1: that they really believe that. So for those who are going forth and sharing the resurrection of Christ, that was deeply hurting them. That was yeah. getting them locked up. That was getting them flogged. And, and they weren't getting rich off that either. They weren't making a dime off of it. They yeah. were losing everything. James, one of the closest three disciples, lost his head. Peter, mm-hmm. in prison, flogged. Paul, flogged, over and over, imprisoned, you know, beaten. These people were losing everything, but they, they all had one thing in common, and that was they could not stop proclaiming the truth. Mm-hmm. It It was—it had completely— um enraptured them, yeah, and they were willing to lose everything for the sake of it,
0: right, and that's a good point, so basically who's who has the least to gain through it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i I think we all could use to practice a healthy level of skepticism mm-hmm. with everything that we see, because I think there are some people that will practice a level of skepticism with the news outlets that have a different bias than their own bias. But they have no skepticism at all when it's a news outlet that is in alignment with their own bias. Yeah. And I think what I would just implore anybody listening to this is is this. Just because you want it to be true doesn't mean that it is. Mm. <laughs> no. It- <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I think like there is so much to be said about confirmation bias where mm-hmm. we want it to be true so badly and so we're going to look for things that prove that that is true. And we've got to be a little bit skeptical of our own biases, a little bit aware of our own biases, a little bit... Mm, I don't know if that's the case. And I think that's healthy. Mm. Um, I think emotionally charged and divisive topics should be cause for like quadruple levels of healthy skepticism. Mm -hmm. So the complicated subjects that hit emotional triggers like COVID Mm. and COVID vaccinations and vaccine mandates and mask mandates and shutdowns and all that stuff, like those are very complicated subjects and those things hit emotional triggers. They hit people's you know, emotional trigger for justice. You know, this isn't right that this is happening. People's emotional triggers for freedom. People are taking away our freedom. People are. And so I think when you start being aware of, man, this is a really complicated subject with a lot of angles, and there's a lot of people who feel very, 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 very emotional and passionate about that, you can just be assured there's somebody trying to capitalize on that with clickbait. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they know, man, if they just put a headline up here with this headline, you're going to click on it. And the more more times you click on that, the more kickbacks they get. Yeah. Also, like, breaking news stories where the facts are not yet assembled can become prime candidates for misinformation. Mm. So when the January 6th... Uh, riot or whatever you want to call it, riot, it, protest, it, Yeah, that's the thing. We don't, yeah. <laughs> we don't know what to call it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because you listen to like liberal uh, news outlets, they're calling it a straight-up insurrection or a coup. Mm-hmm. You listen to conservative outlets, they call it a protest, and I'm like, eh, pretty sure it's a little bit more than a protest, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure it was quite an insurrection. It's somewhere in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. I think a riot might be a better term for it. I don't know what we call it, right? Well, and we hesitate to call it anything because we're
1: like, There's, it's a heated issue and both sides, like, and if we undermine its, you know, like if we, if we undermine its intensity, then people will get mad. If we over highlight its intensity, people will get mad and it's, it's a perfect example. The other, the other good example would be the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Absolutely. Like there was a lot of information being pumped out from both sides very quickly and it, people immediately picked a side based on the information that the algorithms they follow showed them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as the dust kind of settled and all the pieces were kind of coming together, it painted a somewhat different picture of things maybe of how we pictured it went down, right. you know, in the streets right. that night. Um, and so then we have to like go through these like stages of grief almost like, was I wrong? No, no, I was right. this is just, you know, right, right, right. it's interesting.
0: Well, and it's so funny how when that happens, when a breaking news story happens, I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse hadn't even had a trial yet. Mm-hmm. And there were people who were sharing facts that other facts were being omitted or they were sharing facts where other facts were being manipulated. So the, the full facts weren't yet assembled. And the misinformation machine was already pumping out because everybody kind of decided when that happened on which side they fell on based on whatever their leanings were towards that particular issue. And so it's just interesting how, I mean, you're right. Like that's an emotional topic. And so because it's mm-hmm. an emotional topic, people start, you know, spreading. Well, did you hear this? Well, did you hear this? They're not telling you this, but here's what they are. And it's just kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Tap the brakes. Let's, let's see how the pieces and the facts get assembled together and and then draw your conclusion. You know? Yeah, it, that
1: you know, it became like un-American to say like, well, I don't really have a side, I don't really know, I don't have enough information <laughs> to formulate an yeah. opinion on the topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that like healthy skepticism, especially when it's an emotional trigger or it's a breaking news story, tap the brakes. Don't don't be so quick to say this is definitely what happened. And no, 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 you don't know that. Be skeptical in a healthy way, let the dust settle a little bit because it is a very emotional issue. Um, Another thing to kind of spot whether or not you're getting misinformation or disinformation, examine the source. So I get emails literally once a day of people forwarding me articles Hmm. about emotionally charged issues related to COVID and politics and, you know, this, that, and the other. And it is... So easy just to read the headline and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that's happening. But examine the source. Go to the, the domain and the URL of this one particular source. Go to this one particular news organization. Go to their affiliations. Go to the About Us section on their website. Look through and see, is there like a donate tab on that web page? Follow the money. Follow the affiliations. And if you start doing that, you can start to see, man, there is – there's definitely a bias from this source. They are trying to get me to think a certain way. Um, it's funny. One of the ones that uh, started happening recently is somebody was sending me all these videos about all the stuff with vaccines, and I was like, man, this is really heavy-handed stuff. It's funny. Nobody else is talking about these facts. You know, They were foregone conclusions. I started clicking around on this website. It was like a, uh, an anti-vax um, organization who's been anti vax for the past 20, 30 years. Mm. So, of course, they're going to be anti-COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're anti-any vaccine, right?
1: <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, and um, an interesting story. This is like Stacy and I uh, used to go to this news outlet. It was an interesting concept. They would actually pull stories and headlines from multiple news outlets, local and national, and then compile them onto one page. And you you read the headline, and you click, and it takes you to that news story. So it was like a compilation of all these different headlines on on one page, and they would update it regularly. And so you'd get a, a snapshot of all the news going on in the world on this one this one page, and it was really simple and easy to look at. Well, this um, this I guess you call it web page was covertly bought by an organization. So the the person who started this sold it for lots and lots of money, but didn't make that like very well known and so the new stories that begin to be funneled onto this web page change in their nature and in their bias mm. and we realized a few months later we were like wait this is this seems out of character this is different like these stories are presenting like they're they're not in alignment with what this person who started the page You know, thought it should be, and then we did a little bit of digging, a little bit of research, and lo and behold, there was this big company that bought it, and now they're they're. So, I mean, this this page had millions of viewers per day. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting.
0: It is. Um, If you are reading a a news story and it's claiming something or it's giving you facts, um, look for quotes. So, like journalistic integrity usually means you have sources, right? can't just claim this happened you have to give a source for why you would know that to be true and so if it's a if it's a clearly um biased piece of propaganda that you're reading you're not going to have many sources that are cited or many quotes that are cited does that make sense yeah yeah and if quotes are given go and verify the quotes if you're like skeptical that that be true Right, So somebody sent me something the other day, and it was a interview of somebody who's apparently a school policy expert in the state of Tennessee. Mm. And I was like, that's interesting. I have my master's degree in education. I taught for six years in the state of Tennessee. I was on a couple of boards for some things, and I never heard of this person. And so I Googled them, and I found out that they are not a school policy expert at all. They're a, a mom that has some kids in the school system. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was their credentials. And yet in this article, they were stating that they were a school policy expert. I'm like, that's funny. I've never heard of them. So it, it's so easy to create a false sense of credibility by giving someone a title, but you can verify through just a quick search who that person actually is and see who they are. And maybe, maybe they're not who they're claiming to be in an article or a news source, you know?
2: Hmm.
1: It is so easy to Photoshop things too. Just, I mean, I, yeah. I could oh, do yeah. it in 10 minutes. I could create a fake tweet yep. and post that fake tweet on Facebook Yep. and put Donald J. Trump as the one who's sending out that tweet. And, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it would go viral before people actually stopped and thought for a minute, wait a second, is this real? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's another thing you'll see too with misinformation is out of context or bogus photos. Mm-hmm. That are used to communicate misinformation. So I, I sent you a uh, a photo. It's from I think it was Turning Point USA, which is a conservative organization, and it's a uh, it's a picture of empty supermarket aisles. So there's no groceries or anything. And um, and the title of the of the photo says, "Everyone understands the importance of free markets." Eventually, mm. so it's a dig against socialism with mm-hmm. this photo of empty supermarket shelves.
1: So it's basically giving the impression that this was a modern picture of yes. a, u- a grocery store, like your local Piggly Wiggly or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Be- after Biden got elected, mm. um, but the reality is, if you do a reverse image search of this image, it was actually taken in Japan after the 2011 earthquake. Mm. So it actually has nothing to do with socialism. It's a it's a misleading, out of context, bogus photo. Mm. Now, one could say, yes, I mean, inflation has been horrible this year. Uh, The cost of food is going up. I don't think that the economic policies in place have made that any better. But that's kind of an honest critique of economic policies rather than reverting to a out-of-context and bogus photo to communicate deliberate disinformation. You see the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of them is expressing real concern and going, I don't know, man, this policy doesn't seem to be working. The other one is saying, well, oh, yeah. Here's why it's not. Boom, yeah. you know, and and I think that that's kind of the place that we've gotten to now, and it's really really concerning.
1: Yeah, and I think the the importance of this is we should be like guardians of truth, and any small grain of mistruth that people can use to discredit a larger body of truth, um, they will do it, and they will discredit the larger body of truth that you're trying to present. Hmm. And that's it's a very important principle to understand that. Before you present a body of information or a claim, a truth claim, you go through and you sift it and make sure that every part of that is true. Because if someone who is a critic of yours or a critic of that truth claim finds one little inconsistency, they will use that little inconsistency even if it's you know completely arbitrary they will, they will use that to to discredit that larger truth claim that you're you're trying to make so for instance this photo like you know empty shelves in japan in 2011 has nothing to do with socialism has nothing to do with the biden administration the people who made this meme are making a truth claim that socialism sucks <laughs> and yeah. i would agree with that truth claim that yeah, it, it 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 doesn't do the people it's trying to govern a big service and it does create shortages it does prevent, you know, and de-incentivize, de- um, uh, you know, free market capitalism, which which has its, his, its own ills. But um, anyways, someone looking at this would say, a socialist, let's say, looking at this meme would say, wait a second, this is from Japan in 2011. Therefore, this meme is false. Therefore, this organization is full of liars. Therefore, right. socialism is still good.
0: Right. Exactly. So you got to be really careful. So it just discredits basically everything that you're saying. When mm-hmm. you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. So, hey, in closing up and landing the plane today, like, what is discernment? Why mm. is it important? What happens when we don't use it?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. With that, let me, let me tell a quick story. Um, yeah. I was camping on a riverbank, and I had a friend with me, and my two older sons with me. And we're sitting around a fire at night. It's pitch black. We're in the middle of nowhere in southeast Alabama on the side of this river. And we start hearing what sounds like someone dropping a cinder block in the river just 30 feet away from us. Over and over. Every five minutes, it sounds like someone is just chucking a cinder block into the depth of the river. And this river is only like 15, 20 feet wide. And we get our, our lights out, and we're shining it. We don't see a single thing. My friend who's with me whips out his pistol, and he's like, we're hiding behind a tree. We're thinking that someone's like out there about to, you know, like a chainsaw <laughs> serial killer about a." <laughs> And we're just like freaking out, you know, we're like, what is this? For about an hour, we're sitting in these shadows and, you know, it's pitch black and just the moonlight, just looking for a person who is throwing these objects into the water. And it's just like this, it sounds just like someone chucking a cinder block into a swimming pool in the dead of night. And this goes on and on and on every five to 10 minutes, a cinder block is thrown into the river, so to speak, all night long. And then it stops in the morning and we did our best to sleep through it, but it was Every time that splash happened, I would just jolt awake and I'd be like, what was that? And we never figured out what it was until the following morning when we're paddling past some fishermen and we explained to them what we heard all night. And they were like, oh yeah, that's, that's what beavers do when they're, you're in their territory. And we were just thinking like, wow, this whole time (laughs) we were terrified and that's why we didn't see it because it was under the water. But we Were they were slapping terrible. the
0: water with their tail? Is that what yeah, they
1: do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, we, it induced fear in us, and we were trapped by that fear. And because we couldn't put all the information together, we didn't have light to illuminate the situation. We were trapped in that fear, and we would have shot anything that moved, you know. I, yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, you know, it, and— it created for us a very restless night, and we were on edge the next day because we were so tired and exhausted from having such a bad night's sleep. But if we knew there was a beaver, we'd just be like, "Oh, it's just a beaver being annoying." So discernment is saying, "Wait a second, I'm going to pause here. This is this looks scary on the outside, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to gather all the information and I'm going to trust, um, I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust God's word that He is true and His word and His promises are true." And I'm just going to sit and I'm going to be, be, practice the fruit of the Spirit, be calm and self-controlled, and allow more information to come in so I can put this puzzle together hmm. and see how it, how it affects my life and what kind of bearing it has on, on my future and on my life.
0: Wow. That's a great example. Because I think, I mean, when you don't have light to illuminate the situation
2: <laughs> hmm.
0: and your brain goes a million miles an hour... I think that's where conspiracy theories are birthed. hmm We feel confused and out of control. And so because we're confused and out of control, we go looking for an explanation. And for, I think, some people, any explanation is better than no explanation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even if that explanation can't be proved, and if that explanation seems far-fetched, even if that explanation is just so bizarre and absurd, it is an explanation, and it helps us feel like we're in control. hmm But practicing discernment, I think, is saying, hey, listen, we don't have all the facts, and it may not be for us to know all the facts. It may be our job just to trust and wait,
2: Mm.
0: and that's hard. But I think that's the call of us as followers of Jesus is to filter everything we see through the Word of God And if we don't have the facts and we're not sure that it's true, we don't speak Mm. until we do know what is true. And then when we know what is true, we we aren't shy about that or we're not timid about that. We speak what's true. But if we fall for every explanation or every thought that uh, comes our way that just so happens to look like truth or happens to be what we hope is truth, we're going to get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine is what the, the Bible says. Yeah. so so important yeah and I
1: think you know speaking to the importance of discernment and this is probably the number one reason there's a lot of you know other reasons peripheral reasons as to why we want to practice discernment but I think the number one reason is because one of the ten commandments says do not take the Lord's name in vain Mm -hmm. and that word there for taking it in vain can mean to make it empty to make it nothing to make it worthless or no good purpose to someone. So when we take the Lord's name in vain, I mean, we can break that commandment by making his name or his, his renown or his character, any of those things to any people. And when we say something and we say we have a word from the Lord or we repeat someone who says they have a word from the Lord and it does not come to pass, we are breaking that commandment. We are making his name empty. We're making it worthless and we're making it no good purpose for those around us when we should be doing the opposite, we should be making it a strong tower that people Mm. find refuge in and that they can trust in. And that is really what at the crux of it gets me worked up. And as my kids say, triggered (laughs) because I want to sanctify God's name. It's in the Lord's prayer. Like, may your name be kept holy
2: Mm.
1: on earth as it is in heaven. It's like, it's so important that we guard His name and His renown, and and we never want to speak presumptuously in His name, or repeat some something that someone has spoken presumptuously.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, man, this is a good topic. This is a heavy topic. I feel like we could talk about this for a couple hours. Yeah.
1: Next next podcast is uh, nuclear. <laughs> nuclear uh, holocaust topic how to
0: prepare for the impending nuclear war yeah oh man
1: yeah. Did, did you the guy who wrote the 88 reasons why jesus has to return in 1988 his last book was like i think you you probably heard that uh why the why the world will end in nuclear fire nuclear yeah. bomb fire like that was the title of it it was like
0: you could he tell was he just was grasping just grasping like, for straws at that yeah. point he was like please listen to me buy my book please
1: yeah. He was just in a van down by the river.
0: <laughs> <laughs> old Bill Shakespeare.
1: Ugh, a steady been, diet of government cheese. Yeah,
0: I've been showing my son old SNL uh, s- sketches with uh, mm. with Chris Farley. Of course, the ones that are appropriate. And the mm-hmm. one that I've shown him recently that he just got a big kick out of was the Japanese game show mm. where Chris Farley is the guy who goes on a Japanese, Japanese game show and yeah. he doesn't speak Japanese. Yeah. So he's guessing the answer to a question and his his guess is Quacky Serpy Miku. <laughs> Quacky sir, <p-n-c-u. laughs> So I've been writing that in random places for my son. He thinks it's pretty funny. So, And
1: yeah. SNL was downhill from there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I had a dumpster fire. So anyway. Well, thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you have any thoughts or questions or comments feel free to reach out via the email or the facebook page or again if you know either of us feel free to text or call or talk to us in person we'd love to unpack any of these with you guys thanks for listening we will see you guys next time well thanks for listening that's our show if you like what you heard make sure to give us a share leave us a review or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.